Hello and welcome to another podcast from us here at Energy Sport. My name is Jack Donnelly and after an incredibly short summer for players, managers and fans alike, the Premier League returns to our screens again this weekend with there being plenty to get us excited for the start of the new season. And here at Energy Sport we are very excited, so much so that this is the first of four preview podcasts that we'll be bringing you this week. For the way in which we're formatting these podcasts, we wanted to switch things up from the usual style of working our way down the league table and picking apart each individual team. Instead, in an effort to drive discussion amongst myself and my co-hosts, who I'll get onto in a minute, we'll be taking inspiration from the No Dunks Basketball podcast, who preview the NBA season with what they call the 50 Blazing Questions. The hosts have a mixed bag of questions that cover things like championship winners to most valuable players, breakthrough stars and some more comical awards included along the way. Unsurprisingly, Energy's own Blazing Questions couldn't work without it being a team effort. So firstly, I'm going to introduce the man who brought this format to us in the first place. Graeme Sinclair, how are you, mate? Uh, I am wonderful. I am awake. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. Let's do it. You're, you're back awake after I had to, to phone you to wake back up. Nah, you're lying, I've been up for hours. <laughs> that, that's it, this is early for you, we'll say, 11am 11, 11 recorded, we'll say it's early, nah. but it's good to have you here, I'm glad to have you joining me for this week. Uh, next up comes a man who, throughout the transfer window thus far, has claimed to be switching allegiances. Unfortunately, this is not an uncommon occurrence for Strew and Garvey, so what's it going to take for you to actually look out all that old Chelsea gear you've been talking about? Well, that... Uh... I'm afraid it's long gone, all that old old stuff. But I, I will stay loyal to my Bayern Munich, who <laughs> have... Oh, we're doing Premier League ones today, aren't we? We are doing Premier League. Pre- yeah. uh, Man United, that's the one. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be staying loyal to them, yes. Well, I mean, you've lost the old stuff, but surely you would just go out and buy the new stuff. Especially that Crystal Palace stud kit that's, that they've announced this morning. Oh, that's that's gorgeous, that is. It's, it's really not, Stuart, and I can't agree with you on that. That's... Uh, it's a bad take to begin the show. Uh, finally, we're joined by a man who spends most of his time focusing on the beautiful game up here in Scotland. So I'm actually quite intrigued to hear his thoughts on the upcoming season. Sean McGill, good to have you with us. Yep, thank you very much. Um, no horse in the race. It's too draining watching 11 Huddies kick a ball on a plastic pitch every week. So I don't have an English team. So yes, I'm nice and neutral and not biased. Probably be the first for an energy sport podcast to actually have a neutral in amongst our ranks, but it makes for good content nonetheless. With this episode, the questions will be focused around individual players as well as hopefully being able to drum up some excitement for the imminent return of the league. So we'll just kick things off uh, nice and straightforward with a fairly simple question. Boys, who do we think walks away at the end of the season with the Player of the Year award? Graham, I'm going to start with you for this one. Well, I have to say to go with Kevin De Bruyne repeating as the player of the year. Very good shout. Could you explain why? Uh, well, I, I couldn't find any odds for this. I think because the player hasn't been announced for this year yet, I couldn't find odds for like, who the favourite were. Mm-hmm. But then I did that, then I checked who all the winners were, and there's only been two people to ever repeat. Cristiano Ronaldo and Terry Henry, which is pretty special company. Mm-hmm. But for me, and you guys, you guys know I love Kevin De Bruyne. I think he's in that kind of level. He's on that kind of playing field. I think he's that good. I just think he is the clear best player in the Premier League right now, and he's the clear best player in the world. His passing ability, his ability to find, find across, make across seem like he's actually picked it out exactly. 
he's going to be taking penalties this year if the end of last season's an indication. So his stats could actually be on the same level. So I've decided to go with Kevin De Bruyne again. A very strong argument and a very, very good, very good answer indeed. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? Are you agreeing with uh, Graham in terms of Kevin De Bruyne winning the award, or have you got someone different for us? I, I had a toss up between Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling, so I'll, I'll, I'll make the point for Raheem Sterling. I just think he's, he's improving rapidly at the moment for Man City. He had his best goal scoring mm. season, and, and I think under Pep Guardiola, he's just been fantastic. And I think next season, he'll just continue to grow and grow. He's turned 26 later on this year, and you know, he's coming into those peak years of his career and I think he'll have a very good season especially with the loss of Aguero I think he will probably be the man who Man City rely on initially to get the goals until Aguero's fit again and coming into Aguero's age it's unlikely he's going to be able to do the same he has done in the past we have we've said that for years about Aguero that he's going to drop off eventually but he never has so I, I, I still think he's got a bit left to go but no Sterling I do believe I think he's going to have a good season obviously he's just improved year after year under Guardiola, and despite getting older every year, he still ends up as a nominee for Young Player of the Year. Um, so perhaps he can repeat that again as they increase the age gap even further. Sean, what about yourself? Um, so I was tempted by Sadio Mane, but then um, I was thinking about the Africa Cup of Nations at the start of next year and thought that might take out um, a significant period of, mm-hmm. of his playing time. So I also went for Kevin De Bruyne and it's for a lot of the same points that, that Graham made. I think he is the best player in the Premier League and he's arguably the best midfielder in the world. 13 goals and 20 assists last season, like Graham said. City took turns, the, whole, the entire squad missing penalties at one point last season, but it looks to be after that um, game at the Bernabeu that uh, Kevin De Bruyne is City's settled penalty taker, so can expect more goals from him. And uh, with... David Silva obviously leaving Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne really will be the, the main creative hub for for Manchester City and I can just see him kicking on again. Fantastic. Well that's two arguments for that's three arguments for a City player winning it. I'm going to go a bit kind of left field and uh, I'm gonna suggest an Arsenal player, which might be a fairly bold shout even before the season kicks off, but I, I I had forgotten to factor in the African Cup of Nations when selecting this pick. Is that is that not twenty twenty two now? Is it? I thought they'd moved it because of COVID. Oh, you might be right, actually. Maybe yeah. Maybe I've just discounted Sadio Mane for no reason at all. <laughs> I had it in my head. Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty one. They have changed it to twenty twenty two. Oh well, this make this makes it even better for me picking this player. I I'm I think Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is going to have a fantastic season. Um, I think he really will push on after what he did last season. I think individually he had a very good season, even though Arsenal struggled and finished eighth. He almost single handedly won them the FA Cup with that brace in the final against Chelsea. And should he sign the contract and extend, he will be Arsenal's most valuable player, and he will have another 20-plus goal season haul in the in the Premier League as he has shown he is one of the deadliest finishers in the league. And I, I, I just really like him as a player. I think he's got a lot of good qualities about him and I think he could probably be playing a step above uh, Arsenal, but that's that's just my uh, allegiance is showing a bit more there again in that one. But I I, I, decided, I, I didn't want to kind of pick any, any kind of obvious contenders um, for a lot of my answers, so I'm I'm going to stick with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang for my Player of the Year. Um, 
As with every Player of the Year award, so comes the award for the Young Player of the Season. Uh, at Energy Sport, we'll be keeping this to players coming into the season aged 23 and under. So, Sean, I'll come to you first with this one. Who is your, who's going to be the, the shining star amongst the batch of young talent in the, in the Premier League this season? Um, again, I was very tempted by another player and I was... Uh, close to going for a Manchester City 1-2 in this one with Phil Foden because I think in the restart he was absolutely fantastic and like I said with the departure of David Silva, Phil Foden you can expect to feature more for Manchester City this season but I have gone for um, Kai Havertz who yeah. is obviously a massively exciting addition to the league, I'm sure you'll be happy with that Jack um, his numbers are just ridiculous over the past few years, um, if you read that article on the Chelsea website, um, his number of minutes are impressive, if you look at mm-hmm. the past five years, no outfield player under the age of 21 has been on the pitch for longer in any of Europe's top five leagues, and it shows that when you look at his numbers and the impressive goal stats, it's not a fluke, he's done it over a consistent period of time, and Chelsea aren't just buying a prospect here, they're buying a proven player in one of Europe's top five leagues, in the Champions League as well. Um, I expect him to hit the ground running. I think Chelsea as a whole, all these exciting signings, I do think that they'll take some time to gel, but I can see Kai Havertz being the one who just ploughs on and shows his talent because um, we got excited about him last season at Bayer Leverkusen and I just expect him to, to hit the ground running in the Premier League. Well, I'm, I'm not going to argue, not going to disagree with it. I think <laughs> he is a fantastic player and he has proven himself at Bayer Leverkusen since breaking through as a 17-year-old. Uh, Graham, what about yourself? Who I, I have a feeling there might be one player that you might uh, suggest uh, that, that could could go on to win this award. Well, I did think about Trent. He was like the first name that came in my head, but I actually think, well, I think De Bruyne can repeat. I think it's going to be really hard for a right back to do it twice yeah. in a row in a second award. I've actually went really left field here, and I had to check the age for this one because he was twenty three. But I think there's something. There's always a narrative plays into these awards. And Keaton Tierney, we got like, oh, he's such a like a local boy, the Tesco bag and all that. I think everyone wants to love him this season, and I really think he's an opportunity to be a star for Arsenal. And if Arsenal improved dramatically, he'll be one of the reasons. And I think the narrative of always play because he's a wonderful player mm-hmm. will allow him to get win the award. He's going to play two. If Arsenal play three at the back, there's a chance he'll be playing two positions. He can play centre back which he had to play last week in the Community Shield. But Arsenal have signed a couple of centre-backs in Saliba, or Saliba of the 10 last season, mm-hmm. but they brought him in again. And Gabriel, so they could put Tierney at left wing-back, so that opens it up so he could bomb forward, get some assists. How and how, Obama Young have a like, connection. That's been obvious. It happened twice in the FA Cup semi-final mm-hmm. against Man City. I just think it all ends up for Tierney to have an incredible season and because of the narrative that can be pushed forward about this kind of local hero, this working class hero, working class hero I guess, I think he's got a, I think he has a real shot for it. No, well, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be very nice to see a Scottish player uh, go on and win it, especially um, since it would kind of almost dispel the hated from either side of Glasgow towards him because we know there's been some flack he's been getting from his old club and his old supporters after making the move and not staying for 10 and everything. So it'd be nice for him to get an individual award to show that he is a top quality player as many of us know him to be. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? Who who are you backing to win this award? Uh, I've had a few different ideas as well. A couple have been named there, but I've, I've gone for Mason Greenwood, I think. Shock. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, Love it. I think he's just a fantastic player at his age, only 18. There's many times last season when he was the man who United were relying on to score important goals at the end in the, in the hope for Champions League football. I think Man United have fallen away from the Jadon Sancho chase, which I think will mean for Mason Greenwood will be the first choice right winger and just the ability to play across the front three. And I think, I think not necessarily a narrative, but there's almost that he's one of England's new golden boys of the generation. He's, he's upgraded his shirt number now as well. He's made it into the full England team. I think he'll have a very strong season. And I, I think he'll, yeah, I think he'll help Man United a lot this season. I had Greenwood involved, but there's always the uh, Sancho thing dangling around them. I was the same. Yeah, I think I think he yeah, was. That, he would have been in all of our kind of short lists, I suppose. I, I thought I thought I thought he looked weary towards the end of the stint of the season. I thought he fell off, and I thought he looked. I thought he looked quite poor in the European games, as it happens to a young player. So that's kind of put me off him. I think the idea will be to more play him through the middle if United can secure somebody like Sancho or somebody else to play in the wing, but I think at the moment he's going to be the the first choice right wing. I suppose if if he had been, he really did have a fantastic breakthrough season, would they really want someone else other than Sancho to replace him? I mean, if if he was putting up those numbers and that, level of performance towards the end of the last season I don't understand why uh, United would settle for anyone else other than Sancho when they've already got someone with bags of natural ability and someone like Greenwood so I mean Struan would you take anyone other than uh, Sancho to replace him or would you have him nailed on to I, I think I think other than Sancho I'd have him nailed on but I, I could understand the reasoning for maybe picking up somebody to play as almost a backup to Greenwood sort of like some of the players have been talked about, like Douglas Costas and just available wingers across Europe who may be a bit on the cheaper side. I think that's probably the aim. I, th- I think it, it might not seem like much, but I think Mason Green would go into the number 11 from the 26 is quite significant just because he has that. Yeah. You know, he's obviously in the club's long term plans. I think the idea is more to move him centrally to compete with Martial. I think that's his position. So I think. There could be a reason to get another right winger and try to push him down. But I think at the moment with Martial's form as well, I think the aim is just to keep him on the right wing unless somebody such as a Sancho or, or if somebody else pops up in that category. I don't think there'd be anyone else chosen ahead of Greenwood. Aye. Just just dropping a bit off topic there. That was my own fault, just with my own thoughts. Um, I'll put forward my picks. Um, I'd also thought about uh, Greenwood. And I'd thought about Trent as well because I know, Graham, you said it'd be hard for a right-back to repeat uh, winning the award, but he already improved on what was a fantastic season two years ago, last season. Um, And there's nothing to suggest he won't do the same again this year. I think he's been fantastic and incredibly consistent over his two kind of massive years at Liverpool. But one one man uh, shines through in my eyes anyway as the standout young player in the league at the moment anyway. And it's a man who might not actually be ready for the start of the season, but will come back hopefully as strong as he finished last year in Christian Pulisic. Uh, He was easily Chelsea's most important player uh, as the Project Restart games came to a start and a close. And he got some massive goals, his goal against Manchester City, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, and he really turned the game around when he came off the bench against Liverpool in that 5-3 victory for the Reds that really kind of put Chelsea's foot back in the door for a result in that game. So I really think 
he is going to be a star and he's going to be one of the top players in Europe in years to come. And he's kind of, he's working his way there very um, quickly. And with Lampard actually realising this now and will probably be playing him the whole season rather than buying him and then taking a hat-trick against Burnley to get him an extended run of the team. Should he stay fit, I think he will be easily the top young player in the league. But there are some other other players, of course, that we might not have mentioned. I mean, um, players... Um, I'm, I'm starting to think off the top of my head, maybe someone like Gabriel Martinelli might have a bigger impact at Arsenal this year. Um, don't know, Graham, if you get any other kind of suggestions that you want to put forward for this one. It's a shame in looking at this and looking, trying to find a player. I really wanted to try and find a player outside the top six, yeah. but the award just doesn't go to players outside the top six. Not since James Milner in like 2010 has it actually happened. So I think you're looking like Sean mentioned Phil Foden, who I think will play... Oh, if Pep's not an idiot and he actually plays him properly, mm. then Phil Foden has a chance. But I, I'm well, I'm wary that he actually will. Uh, I also kind of ha- I wrote I wrote down uh, Trent. I wrote down Greenwood just like you guys. And I did write down Saka. I mm, think yeah. might, another award I might kind of start to discover my feelings towards Arsenal this season, and I think Saka could be a big part of that. So I had him down. What about, what about uh, you, Sean? Was there any players that just missed out, aside from Foden, of course? Um, not off the top of my head. I feel like they've all sort of been mentioned there. Um, I was interested, Jack, when we're talking about young players, uh, Frank Lampard's been praised at Chelsea for pushing through these young players. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's been a very busy uh, summer window for Chelsea. How do you feel about that, the sort of stunted development that could come out of this with the likes of Mason Mount? Uh, players like that, Billy Gilmore as well, looks like he will struggle to feature again in the team. It's sort of been, uh, that's protected Frank Lampard, in fact mm-hmm. he's pushing through young players, and now the money's been invested, do you think that changes his dynamic around Chelsea this season? Perhaps slightly, but I don't feel that there's going to be a lot of exclusion from the batch of players that came through. I think it's going to be hard for three players in particular, I think you were right with Billy Gilmore, I think he could probably do with a season out on loan, um, personally, just to get a full season of first team football under his under his belt, because we all saw his talent last season and we know what how good a player he can be. So I think give him an extended run of games and he can come back and really fight for a place in that really stacked midfield. Um, I think Fikayo Tamori might feel under threat in his position. Um, there's already been talks of him going out on loan this year, just to accommodate, in my opinion, some inferior defenders to him. I think he is probably second in the pecking order um, of last season's centre-backs anyway, but uh, it doesn't seem that the club sees it that way. And I think the bit, the biggest uh, player that will suffer maybe more from the new signings will be Tam Abraham, because we mm. already saw he was dropped in favour of Olivier Giroud, who ended the season very well. And with Werner coming in, it's really a fight for his backup between Abraham and Giroud. But we might see a bit of change if Pulisic doesn't start the season. Werner could start on the left and it could be a battle f- between Abraham and Giroud for the starting striker position. But for players like Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Reese James, I think they will feature. Mount would still start for me, personally, in really? that midfield. I-, I would have him and Havertz sitting ahead of uh, N'Golo Kante as Lampard's midfield three. 
I think I think um, Mateo Kovacic not one of Chelsea's best players last season. He was, but he played a different role, and I think in a team that's really wanting to push on and attack more and be more productive um, and clinical, I think Havertz and Mount do have that goal scoring ability. I know you don't want to have too many players in the same mould in the one team, but I, I think they can complement each other nicely. But that, that's just my opinion, and we should probably move on from talking about Chelsea because, as we know here at Energy Sport, I could talk about that we, team. We, we might bring them up and like very soon again, to be honest with you. That's, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Go down this list. We very well may do that. Uh, we'll move on to an award that's almost fairly related to the Young Player of the Season Award as it focuses on the players who could really hit the heights and make a name for themselves this year. So, Struan, I'll come to you first for this one. Who is going to be your breakthrough player this season? I have gone for... Well, I, interestingly, I had two written down and I've, I've opted for Phil Foden. The other one who I actually had was Tierney. Okay. And basically, Graham's already covered him. So I'll, I'm going to go with Foden because I think, although he's not necessarily breaking onto the scene, we've we've seen a lot of Foden in recent years. I think this is really going to be the season for him to come through, especially with David Silva leaving. He's now in the England team. I think he's probably going to be one of the first choices coming up soon. So... I think this is a massive season for him as well, playing in the midfield alongside De Bruyne or playing further up on the wing. I think it will really hit the heights, especially after Guardiola said he was one of the most talented players. Mm-hmm. It might even have been the most talented players ever worked with. And I think it's just quite clear to see, you know, he's, he's City through and through. There's been many players in the academy who have had that potential and I've just never really seen mm-hmm. a sight into the first team like Sir Brahim Diaz and Jadon Sancho, of yeah. course, have left in recent years. But Phil Foden has stuck, stuck with the team because I think there's always been that spot just waiting for David Silva to retire. And it nearly got taken up by by Messi, but I, I think it is now going to be the, the Stockport Messi, as he's known to some, breaking into the team this season. And I think he will have a fantastic year. No, I, I agree. I think this is going to be a massive year for Foden. I think he's really going to inherit that uh, position that David Silva left. They're big shoes to fill in terms of City, but I think he does have the natural ability to fill them quite significantly. Uh, Graham, what about yourself? I went slightly different in the sense that I've not gone for youth as much. I went for a player that's kind of been on the fringes and has, I think, set up for a big season. I've went by a small team. I've selected Naby Keita at Liverpool. Okay, interesting. Who I think, in his, this is his third season at the club, and he's shown some flashes when he gets a chance in the team that he's amazing. He's so good. He's so good on the ball, he's so good at off the ball making runs, he actually he's so attacking and forward thinking and the team looked so much better going forward with he's in the team it's just not happened yet for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. being injuries being kind of caught, being nervous to play him in games, he likes to stick with the the workman's midfield, the Adam Henderson, Fabinho or Milner but I think this year, Keita will be key to Liverpool, kind of staying at a similar level, I think a drop off is obviously inevitable they won the league by 17 points. Mm-hmm. But I think this Gnabi Keita is like being a pivotal reason. If Liverpool are still challenged for the title, I could see the development of him becoming one of the key players in the team will be the reason for it. It's interesting you say that, especially with the current rumours surrounding Liverpool's midfield. I mean, would you, would you perhaps change your answer if uh, Thiago was brought in? And would, he, no. would all, he would almost be guaranteed a start in Liverpool's midfield alongside... Henderson and then someone like Fabinho. I well, it's different in the sense that I'd still play both of them. I think okay. Thiago kind of plays deep in the deep role. He plays kind of like the six. I think he's doing do by numbers. He plays the six when he switches deep and just kind of dictates play when they are spreading that around. 
you could have Henderson in the eight as the box to box guys just running, running, running. And then Keita's kind of, I guess, a 10. It wouldn't be quite a 10 when you play 4 3 3. Mm-hmm. But he's the furthest forward trying to get involved. It's almost like if they have Salah Man and Firmino, Keita's the fourth man. So I think for me, he would still play. I think for most of our pro fans, he'd still play. Well, fair enough. It's, it's a good argument you make. It's interesting to hear of kind of your breakthrough player being a bit older than I think what Struan's suggesting and my uh, shouts are going to be. Uh, Sean, what about yourself? Have you kind of gone on the younger side of things or have you gone for a player who's just been biding their time? Yeah, I've gone more on the youth side, but I do like the way that, that Graham's done that. Mm. And it's hard, it's hard one to sort of how you interpret this one because um, you could argue that most of the players that we're aware of have already broken through. But I've gone for Martinelli for the reason that um, he's show, he's had spells in the Arsenal team, but he's not really held down a, a, a spot. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we're being quite... Um, quite positive about Arsenal as Graham alluded to uh, earlier and I think that there's reason for that. Mikel Arteta really does seem to have a firm grasp on this project that he's got at Arsenal. I feel like Martinelli could be a key part of that. Um, they're going to play attractive football, it's going to be exciting and I feel like he just brings that sort of dynet, direct and dynamic uh, dimension to this um, Arsenal side. So I can feel like he can really see a, a run in the team. I think Lacazette will start to feature less as yeah. we go on and um It'd be exciting to see it's a young team and I think uh, Martinelli could really start to see a run on this side and prove that he is one of these top prospects in, in the league. No, I do I do agree and I know that the Arsenal fans listening to this one will be quick to bring up his wonder goal, I suppose you could call it, against Chelsea in January's two-all draw in which Kante unfortunately suffered a bit of a Steven Gerrard moment to allow him to run... Uh, clean through, but no, I do. So you've almost been critical of Chelsea there, and you've still managed to flip it as a dig at Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> See that you'll you'll learn, Sean, that I'm quite good at that. I'm quite good at taking the negative, very impressive, and shifting shifting blame to another. Uh, no, I think I think he does have a big season ahead of him. I had someone written down that uh, was different to um, what I'm going to su- to who I'm going to suggest now. I'd initially gone for Brandon Williams. Because I think he could really do a job and displace Luke Shaw this season because I'm not a massive fan of Luke Shaw. I don't think he's really that all that good. And I think Williams showed flashes of reasons why he should really be starting ahead of uh, the English left-back this season. But I'm also going to side with a youthful Arsenal player here. And I'm going to go with uh, William Saliba, as he's been mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in the show. Um he was signed last summer and was instantly sent back out on loan to his former club at Saint Etienne, and I think he's really going to come in and make a difference to that Arsenal backline this season. I'm a big fan of him. I see, I kind of started looking into him a bit more as I realised that he would be coming back, and I really like what I saw. I think he's a fairly composed defender, and he knows exactly what to do in just about every situation he comes across. Um. That Arsenal defence that's been questionable for years, and even more so when they signed David Luiz from Chelsea last summer, I, ju- I just think he's going to be an upgrade. And for a player coming in that young to be a significant upgrade on what Arsenal already have, that says a lot about his quality. So I think he really will cement himself as a really good uh, defender this season. I'm excited to see more of him. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fond of this. You know, we're all we're all being this positive of Arsenal, a team that we historically have made fun of. Quite quite um, convincingly, but that's the way it goes, I suppose. Um, a number of, there are a number of different players who I still think could have 
um, massive years ahead of them. Um, I think Brandon Williams, like I said, I'm, I'm going to give a shout as well. I know he kind of made waves last season more so with his uh, style and as the um, football Twitter accounts will love, sauce and uh, Alan St. Maximan. I think he's got another massive year ahead of him at Newcastle, especially if he stays fully fit and gets a whole season out of him. Uh, any other suggestions for players we might have overlooked? I'm, I'm going to go a bit different here. I don't know if many people have ever heard of a United football called Ethan Laird, but he's he's coming up 19 now, and basically everybody who's ever been through the youth has said that he's he's the best player amongst it, even at the times when people like Mason Green would have been there. And he's actually the reason that Brandon Williams now plays on the left, because Brandon Williams is naturally right-footed and used to be a yeah. right-back, but because of how good Ethan Laird was, Brandon Williams had to learn to play as a left-back, and a lot of people have actually suggested it could be displacing Aaron Wambasaka or more moving him centrally. So I think that might be a name to, to kind of keep an eye out this season. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I've never personally heard of Ethan Laird, but if, I'll, I'll, back, I'll back your knowledge soon, which might uh, prove to be my downfall one day. Another player I was thinking of, and I don't know if it, it counts as breakthrough when you've been sort of rumoured as leaving for 40, 50 million, but it'll be fantastic to see Ben White in the Premier League for Brighton after yeah. signing uh-huh. that contract because mm-hmm. massively highly rated after a fantastic season in Leeds United's Championship winning season. And to see him test himself in the Premier League and see if he's worth he's, he lives up to that hype because he's proved that the Championship he had a massive price tag as a young mm-hmm. English player. So there'll be a lot of attention on him, and if he can live up to it, it'll be uh, pretty impressive. I feel as though there might have been a bit of English tax added on to that price tag. Just absolutely, but um, no, I do agree. I'm excited to be, excited to see him. Sorry, especially as it looks like he's really going to get a run in this Brighton team. So no, I completely agree with that. Uh, we're going to move. White, oh, sorry, White and Dunk. So just say White and Dunk. It's kind of mental. I think that obviously seems like one of the best partnerships in the entire league. Absolutely. Which is a weird for the Brighton. I know. Dunk's England quality. White's Roberto England quality. I had him written down as well. I had a, I went for a couple of left field names. I have Dwight McNeil down, who I kind of sung the praises of quite a bit last year at Burnley. Mm-hmm. Because he's not, he's, like I say, he's not your typical Burnley player. He's actually a good footballer. Quite a technical player, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has skill. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think there's a chance he becomes the leading man for Burnley and gets linked with some big moves. Teams. Mm-hmm. He's still, only, still young. And I don't know any shot. Sean Dykes was raging. Yeah, wasn't in the twenty ones. Yeah, no, that was a wild, wild decision not to include him. I was I had, baffled I had, by that. I had Calvin Phillips down too. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he's got mm-hmm. he's got England call-up, and I think he's going to be one of the lead star players. And I had my real left field one was Chi Adams. Oh, okay, up, interesting. Who had a pretty horrible first season, but scored like four goals in his last three games, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of confidence at the end of the season is going to be used and Southampton's a team I'm really high on as well Yeah, and I think Chi Adams mm-hmm. could have a great season Fantastic, right we'll move on, we're going to uh, fire through the next couple <laughs> fairly quickly because we're spending a lot of time uh, discussing which is good, which is good, which is what we are trying to do but we're trying to keep this under an hour as, as much as we can but if it goes over that's, that's your guys' gain because you just get even more fantastic content from us here at Energy Sport uh, We'll, we'll keep it with the individual players just now. Uh, Graham, you were talking about uh, Naby Keita playing as more of a 10, and you said he was a 10, but is he a 10 out of 10? That's what I'm asking, because this question is, who is the best-looking player in the Premier League? Uh, you know, uh, That's been in the back of my mind ever since you said that about Naby Keita, and I was like, how can I uh, link that in? But fairly simple, who's the best-looking player? 
Graham, I want to come to you because you've been advocating this question since you brought the idea to us of doing a format like this. Have you ever actually been doing your research for a football season and ended up on the E-Network website? That's what Unbelievable. I actually put more effort into this one than any other question. I don't doubt that, to be honest. I think, for me, the best-looking player in the Premier League this season is Everton midfielder Andre Gomez. Good show. That's a good show. Who... It's stream like shoot stream all like this. He looks to me like a Spanish Seth Rollins. In a way. I see that. No, I do, I do see that. I do see that. With the streak in his hair as well. Yeah, that would but, ru- that would ruin just, it to be honest. Uh, you know, I have a nice I have a nice big beard myself, and seeing a mama Andrew Gomez who's got such a nice formed shaped beard, it's just it's wonderful to see in football. Just you have to see it. You do. I reckon he looks like a smooth talker as well. Like I reckon he's got good chat. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I he see he seem he's he seemed to be quite composed under pressure. He would suggest in in those circumstances. Uh, Sean, who 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 would you say then? Who who's is there anyone that's beaten Andy, Andre Gomez? I feel like I've gone quite by the book, but I feel like um, he's just a beautiful man who's graced our lives for a long time, and that's Livia Giroud. There he is. Just, I knew he'd turn up. I knew he'd turn up in this question. I mean, I know it's. I'm playing it safe here, but what a gorgeous man! Um, yeah, just his piercing eyes, his beautiful beard. Um, there's some quite. When I googled just to sort of reaffirm my suggestion, there's quite some quite revealing photos of there are. The, You're on correct, the internet actually, aren't there? that I stumbled across that I may well save for later. Um, <laughs> but... Hold on. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, obviously. But what a gorgeous man! Uh, no, yes, yes. He, he he was in my in my top three. We'll sit. We'll say that. Well, uh, he he was definitely ranked highly. Struan, what about yourself? I've I've gone for um, David de Gea, but not not long hair World Cup David de Gea when he when and when the beard came back after lockdown. So so Stuart Kettlewell then. Yeah, basically, <laughs> but thirty years younger. F- fair, fair. I didn't put too much thought into this question. I can't lie. I'm, I'm <laughs> strewn. This this was the most important question in the podcast. The most... yeah, yeah. Right. This yeah, is really the, this is the real player of the season. <laughs> Quite literal player. I'm going to stand by the hair. I think good looking guy's got a really nice beard. His hair's his hair's good as well. He's just a nice guy. I I see you, David the hair, and I raise you a man that's been mentioned in this podcast already. Kai Havertz. I I I think he he's no. The, fre- the freshest addition to the league, it. and no, I don't. he's he's a very good looking man. I think he's ni- nice, ch- nice chiselled draw. Uh, he's 20, 21 years old with a nice bit of curly hair. Just really reminds me of myself. That that that's the reason. I'm, that's the reason I'm going yeah. with him. To be honest, Kai Havertz is just a jawline, and that's it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that says more about me than anything else, doesn't it? Far more. <laughs> yeah, you just like a jawline. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but see when uh, 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 I think I, I spoke highly about Kai Havertz already. I think he's a great player, but he's a he's a mouth closed good looking. Uh, he's not a mouth open good looking. His <laughs> his teeth aren't aren't the best. I would say. Um, I think I think this is uh, one of the best conversations we've had on Energy Sport in recent memory. To be no, because I was, I was actually talking this other day about Kai Havertz with my pals because that's what we do. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Behind Scott's private life. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's quite revealing this podcast. Um, aye, Kai Havertz, he's living off the reputation of his jawline. It's not good enough, and he needs to have a serious look at himself. <laughs> I'm sure he does. You just look at Kai Havertz and you think, such a disappointing smile, doesn't he? Just such a disappointing smile. That's what I mean. <laughs> so don't put a problem with so Adam's far. apples. Well, maybe that's it for you, Jack. The jawline and Adam's apples. I've, can I come back to my answer and change? Okay, right. Well, let, we'll I've, let you... I've decided to go for Mason Mount instead of David De Gea. Strange, just like Strange, just like Spice Boys. Must be some exciting bands in Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone at Chelsea just admiring themselves and each other in the in the mirror. That's ben Chilwell's joined Chelsea as well. Oh, he has <laughs> as well. Oh, that's even <laughs> more. Quite a good-looking um, dressing room there. <sighs> I mean. What what can I say? I've picked, I've picked a good team. I always team wondered place. why you supported Chelsea, Jack. <laughs> there, there we go. Trail agencies reasons uh, revealed. Uh, we'll move on and come to the next question, which I suppose almost kind of links in. There's a factor of being a best-looking player that factors in. Uh, this one's quite topical as well. Um, timing's worked out quite well, as the latest trailer for the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, came out last week. So in an effort to keep up with current trends, as we always try to do here at Energy Sport... Which Premier League player would make the best 007? It's a, it's a big question, it's a big thinker, and I'm going to come to Struan first. I've, I've gone for Virgil van Dijk. Very good shout, actually. I was, I was debating with Juan Mata. It's a very, very <laughs> random shout for it, but I've, Too small. I've gone for Virgil van Dijk. I think he's quite earning. So yeah, yeah. I, th- I think van Dijk's got to be the, the one to go for. I think he's a good-looking guy. I think he'd, he'd look good in a suit and everything like that. I think he's quite intimidating. Don't think you'd want to mess with him. And uh, Daniel Craig's actually a Liverpool fan, so there's a bit of that to it oh, as well. There you go. I think I'd go for Virgil van Dijk. Van Dijk. I think he's a man you can rely on, and I don't think anybody wants to go one-on-one with Virgil van Dijk. Nice. Well, you've, you've put some thought into that. I respect it. Graham, what about yourself? Daniel, <laughs> I'm going to come to you to see if he can up Struan's van Dijk explanation. Well, the main thing with James Bond is that he can do spy work in silence and not get caught. You have to be slippery. And who's slipper than the man that covered himself in BB oil? <laughs> Lovely. <before> it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Adama Traore, Will's speedy winger, is my pick to be the name for next James Bond. I think they can change it up a little bit. Is Daniel Craig is cool. We need, a, we need a strong James Bond for the next one. You need somebody that's going to... The fight scenes in the next series of James Bonds are going to be incredible. And Adama Traore is going to be that man. He's going to be the man that... They're going to bring back Batista. <laughs> Batista and Adama Traore. The next James Bond film is just going to be Adama Traore versus Batista for two hours. Just fighting all over the world. I would watch that. Batista's not watch in the most recent Bond film already. Yeah, but they're going to bring him... They bring him back. But, 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 yeah. but they're going to bring him back. Like he's got a, a twin robot, brother. They're going to bring back a robot <laughs> Batista and his twin brother and Adama Traore. <laughs> Uh, I like I like that I like I like that this is this is good I like the imaginative spirit we've got going Sean what about yourself um, well I can't lie I completely missed this question in the Google, Google document so I have been scrambling oh you um, I can um, come back to you I can give you my answer no I'm fine because it's one of the I mean we're obviously all interested in media and sports media and it's probably the the foremost headline in my life in my life when I've thought about football and that is the name's Bond. James Rodriguez Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh He's my set to live in the Premier League with Everton, so I think he has to be the option. I, I like that. He's, he's quite a slick looking guy as well. He's got the, got the hairstyle and everything. I think 
it's not not an awful shout for that to be honest. Um, Thanks very much. You're welcome. Uh, I'll 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 go ahead and give mine. Uh, there's one thing that always springs to mind about someone like James Bond. He needs to be quick. He needs to be efficient. And no matter what he's doing, he needs to ooze class in what he does. And I don't think there's one Premier League player at the moment that is classier than Marcus Rashford. I I, I think I think I like he's nice. he's a he's a fairly. He, he, I think I think he would uh, look the part, and he certainly acts the part in his work. Uh, make making the government do one of their many U-turns in the last couple of months uh, and being able to provide all those meals for children. So he's been doing fantastic work and I think he would do equally as fantastic work for uh, the government as a spy. There we go. Not, not, for, the government, not for this government. The government would be the, the villain. Yeah. It would be Johnson turning around in his chair refusing <laughs> to feed <laughs> children. And Just sending like mixed messages consistently. <laughs> Yeah. Stay at home, go to work. There we go. Or that MP was tweeting yesterday who said he'd like to debate him in an open forum about oh, yeah. child hunger. Yeah. A- a- about a- about a parent not wanting to feed their child, and apparently yeah, that that's debated subject for an open debate. Thank you. Can I just quickly say that an alternative James Bond would be Jesse Lingard, who defeats all the villains by dancing. The name's Lings, J Lings. Oh God. I'm really up. I'm really. I'm really up for changing the like Bond and trying to get a different style, so we get like the proper action hard man film with a dama, or a dance movie with Jesse Lingard. I'm all for it. <laughs> dance Dance Revolution James Bond edition. I I would watch that movie to be honest. No time to dance. Lovely. Well done. <laughs> there we go. Beautiful. <laughs> we'll move on before they just descend even, uh, even further into chaos. Uh, we'll transition across to look at a couple of more team based questions. Our next talking point's hopefully going to do a decent job of bridging the gap, linking the individual to the collective. Uh, Sean, I'll come to you first for this one as we discuss which team in the Premier League is most reliant on one single player. And for a further point, why is it Aston Villa? Well, my answer was going to be Aston Villa, Jack Grealish, move on. Um, cause it, because it just is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 32% of... Uh, Jack Lewis contributed to 32% of Aston Villa's goals last season uh, the whole game plan either seemed to be punt it long or if you are going to do a short pass make it in the general direction of Jack Grealish mm-hmm. he'll stand in front of the ball and then probably go down and win a free kick um, I don't think the league's particularly bad for this obviously it's a very talented league with lots of talented mm-hmm. players not that Aston Villa don't have other talented players but just um, the way they played last season everything did seem to go through Grealish and I think it was almost to their detriment towards the end of the season especially in the restart I feel like Jack Grealish really took that on himself that he was the person to lead this Aston Villa mm-hmm. team and sometimes it was just there was better passes on or better moves on but everything had to go through Grealish so and I don't think Villa have made signings so far this summer that would suggest that um, that's that anything's going to deviate from mm-hmm. that plan so um, I think they need to come up with some other ideas or it'll be another long season for them this, this year it was also just to reaffirm the point. I'd seen on I'd seen his Instagram, and he said on the day that um, uh, the final day of the season where he scored in that one all draw, and they stayed in the league. He's captioned it: "What a day keeping my club in the Premier League for another year, my club." So I mean, he's taken ownership, which I mean, hats off to him for doing so. He knows himself that he's been putting in probably more effort than anyone else in the team. So will it continue into this season to save Villa? I don't think so, but. Um, I suppose time will tell with that 
Struan, are you in the same mind that it's Grealish and Villa, or have you got another combination for us? I had thought of Grealish Villa, but I'll, I'll go for my, my second combination, which is quite a big team. It's Arsenal and Aubameyang. Ooh, I like that. A bigger think, team. I like, I like I that. I think this, this was pretty much obvious last season that Aubameyang was doing absolutely everything for Arsenal. I mean, you mentioned previously in the FA Cup, you know, he scored both goals um, in the semi-final against City, and then he scored both goals in the final against Chelsea. In the Community Shield, he scored the goal there. In the league, he was the second top goal scorer. And I think without his goals, they would be down near the relegation battle. I'd, and I'd quite often, there's not been anyone else in that team stepping up with Lacazette falling away. But there, there are some young youngsters coming through, the likes of Martinelli, who, and Nicolas Pepe coming in, and, and Ketia, who could hopefully share some of that load. But I, I just think Aubameyang has been basically arsed all the past two seasons, which I spoke previously on a podcast. That I think Aubameyang signing a new contract is better than any signing that Arsenal can make. And, and he was even given the captain's armband, which is just sort of a symbol of just how much he means mm. to that club and how how important he is in every single aspect on and probably off the pitch as well. No, I like that. I like that explanation. I think there's a certain, certain case to be made that if um, Ar- Arsenal didn't have Aubameyang last season, especially, they would be probably out with the top 10 if, if you think of how much he contributed to their season. They're probably building to make sure that's not the case uh, this season coming, but I suppose it could still be a similar case if the new signings don't hit the ground running, especially with the likes of Willian, who is uh, horrific. Uh, Graham, what about, what about yourself? <laughs> He's a football player at the end of the day. <laughs> well, I think Sean's right. I think it is Jack Grealish. But one of the points of trying to do this podcast and this set of podcasts is to try and mention each team at least once. And so I don't know where else to mention West Brom other than to say Matthias, <laughs> Marias Pereira at West Brom yeah. is going to carry mm-hmm. his team. I think I have a look at West Brom's squad and other than Pereira, it is so uninspiring and lacklustre. When you're stuck with boys like Ollie Burke. He, Ollie Burke is don't, the second, don't he's the second most picked West Brom player. Charlie Austin, who's a journeyman at this point. Yeah. How, Robson, same, how Robson Canu. He's still there. Is Charlie Austin yeah. the first choice striker? I think so. Mm. But Oof. what we do have is an absolutely fantastic player in Pereira who lit mm. up the championship last season. He scored eight goals and had 20 assists. He's a <laughs> championship de Bruyne. And if West Brom are to survive, it is going to be because Pereira has carried the team on his back. He's such a tricky little player. He's so, mm. so talented. I think he'll be in my fantasy team because I think he's going to be their main man. Oh, and showing your hand a bit yeah. there. Mm. Yeah, just a just a wee spoiler for you. <laughs> Do you think he'll almost be like Buendia of Norwich at times, and that there's a like a fantastic player there, but the rest of the team is just not up to the standard? Well, Norwich had Cantwell and Pookie. They had players that actually produced fantasy wise. I think more like Grealish last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, to be honest. When I was thinking of my options for this, I completely forgot that West Brom had actually been promoted. <laughs> they're, they're just I Easily just done. consistently forget that West Brom exists. But uh, Matthias Pereira is a fantastic player. And I, I'm almost inclined to agree with you, to be honest. I, I might settle it on that myself. But in the effort, as Graham said, to mention every team at least once, um, I'm going to give a shout for Fulham and Mitrovic. I kind of forgot. Alexander Mitrovic, I think that's yeah. his first name. Um, we, we've seen him in the Premier League before at Newcastle and he was alright, there wasn't really anything to suggest that he was anything special, but he joined Fulham and has torn up the Championship he's been scoring goals for fun and there's no one really in that team that I can think of that would be able to replicate 
what he does for that team. So I think if it's the same point that Graham made about West Brom, if Fulham are to stay up, and I'm inclined to believe they won't, um, it's going to be through Mitrovic's uh, goal contributions alone. I do also want to give a quick um, mention for another team that I believe is... It's a, it's a bit of a different one compared to what the last two have been. Uh, Burnley and Nick Pope. I, th- I think he was really the only player that kept Burnley in games at points last season. I mean, you think of... Uh, the game against Liverpool, in which he was uh, head and shoulders above anyone else on the pitch on the day. And if if he hadn't been playing at that standard, it would have been a lot messier for Burnley to have dealt with. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll settle on Mitrovic and Fulham, but I'll incline my head towards Pope and Burnley at the same time. Jack, I know you'll be keen to move on, but I just wondered, is there a case to be made for Liverpool and Virgil van Dijk? No, no, I, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I, I honestly don't think so because the the rest. Who of the comes team into is just... that midfield? Who comes into defence? Sorry, if Van Dijk gets injured, Adip d- and Gomez. I don't. I don't think it's a case of someone being able to replace them. I think it's more a case of does a team struggle if that does a team over, like not be able to produce results if that player is not there. And I think I would maybe say that Allison's maybe a bigger miss almost more than Van Dijk, because we saw at times last season, Adrian was just a bit of a bomb scare. So, I, I don't know. I think it's it's an interesting point you raised, and I think we'd it'd be worth looking into. But I think we're, we're, we're slowly running out of time. So, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say no and leave, and leave you curious. That's fine. <laughs> uh, right, where are we now? Uh, so, we're going to take last season into mind with this next question. Uh, we're going to look at the team that we think will improve the most from last year. Graham, the way that you've been speaking, I think you and I have got the same answer for this one. So why don't you tell me who you've got down for this? Uh, answer Hampton down. Oh, we don't have the same answer then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming that you have a Arsenal. I do, yeah. But, but I actually went for Southampton. I, just think, I think Arsenal are going to improve as a team on the pitch. Results-wise, I'm not sure it's going to go that, that much better. I think they'll run the Europa League this season and they win a cup. I think this season their limit's probably fifth and maybe a cup again. So I, kind of, I went with Southampton because I think Southampton have a chance to be in the top ten around eighth or ninth in the league. I think everyone in the league, of Wolves, of Leicester, of Everton and Southampton, I actually think the way Southampton play, they've got a chance to be the best of that bunch this season if they play the way that they played toward after the bubble or the after the coronavirus we start been watching too much NBA we call it the bubble <laughs> but yeah I think Leicester and Ever- I think Leicester regress I'm not convinced that Everton signings will impressive and high no. profile are actually going to make much of a difference and I worry Wolves getting rid of Doherty I think and they haven't replaced him yet and they signed a 40 million year old that's played like 300 minutes of football whereas I think Southampton have made good signings in Walker Peters. I think Ings is still one of the star strikers in the league. And last season, after nine 0 they which Southampton fans know gets brought up every time. <laughs> every up. time you mention them, it's just going to be that nine 0 day. That they have a great team around them. They have England, an England star, more prowess. We have our boy Stuart Armstrong, who looked unbelievable after the restart. Indeed. They had dreadful home form last year. And I feel like, uh, there's no evidence about this, but I feel like home form is something that tends to balance itself out. Teams 
home form should be something that you can correct fairly easily of all the things you need to correct. If your away form's good, it should be able to come at home. And I think if their home form is as good as their away form, they are pushing for a European spot. It's a convincing argument, I have to say. I have to say. It's, it's, a, very, it's a point very well made. I do agree that Southampton will be a really good team to watch this year. I've, I'm very intrigued just to see if Danny Ings can carry on from where he left off last season. I mean, he was second in the Golden Boot race only to Jamie Vardy. So I'm really interested to see if he can replicate it in any instance or perhaps I'll pass some of that knowledge on to Che Adams to get him firing a bit better than he did last year. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? Who's going who's gonna to make strides over, over the break and come back stronger this season? Well, although you may not have agreed with Graham, I've actually got Southampton as well. I oh think to, <laughs> I think towards the last season it looked Hassan Hut was destined for the sack after the, the famous nine 0 to Leicester, but that 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 was almost just spurred them. And I think towards the end of last season they were very good. I think their pressing was fantastic. You know, they had fantastic results against Manchester United and Man City. The only uh, game they actually lost post lockdown was against Arsenal, which were two horrific mistakes from McCarthy. I think the signing's been really good. I remember when they got um, Salisu, I actually put on my Twitter saying he's going to be one of the signings of the season. He's just a really good, talented young centre-back. And, and I just think that there's just a lot of exciting players in that team. And I think, as Graham said, I could definitely see them pushing. I also had similar feelings on Wolves. I don't know if they'll be able to repeat what they've been doing with the exact same squad, especially now they, they don't have European football, they don't have that attractiveness. Signing Markal from Leon, the 31-year-old, isn't exactly anything great. And apparently they're also looking at Diogo Dal of Manchester United, which is just ridiculous in my my opinion i think everton every single every single year they sign some good players and you think oh yeah right they'll, they'll finally push the top six and then they just won't i, I think they need center half so i think i think southampton could definitely be that team who can push into those european places and i i, I wouldn't even count them out for something like the league cup or the fa cup as well potentially having a good run in that oh, i would love to see that to be honest i think the southampton team is just likable in, in, in a sense so no i i do, I do agree they're going to be Potentially one of the one of the top teams from uh, last season coming into this one. Uh, Sean, what about yourself? Are you gonna give us a hat trick of Southamptons, or are you gonna switch it up a little bit? Um, I am gonna talk about Southampton soon, but for another question. Um, okay. But for most improved, and I'm not sure that they might not do too much better in points, but I expect to see a much better, um, much better performances on the pitch, and that's from Newcastle. And it's because of the signs that they've made and just a matter of moments ago they've announced the sign of Callum Wilson for yep. £20 million from Bournemouth. He's a proven Premier League striker, features regularly in Gareth Southgate's England squads and we all know the the, the troubles that Joe Ellington had at Newcastle last season. He, Wilson partnering him could be great or Wilson up there on his own uh, could really bag the goals for Newcastle. Mm. Steve Bruce got a hard time uh, last season. Agreed. I mean, despite getting ridiculed, he got roughly the same amount of points as Benitez. It was 44, 45 and then 44 in this season from, from Bruce. So it's not a, a drop-off really at all. And other good signings, Jeff Hendricks is a competent, versatile Premier League player. Uh, Ryan Fraser's rumoured to be joining as well. Just a couple of seasons ago, he was the top assister in the Premier League. And Jamal Lewis looks to be joining as well, one mm. of the top defensive prospects in the country and there's a significant upgrade on what they have and he's also got big resale value which is what Newcastle need to be looking into so really smart signings I expect them to start maybe breaking out their shell a little bit more not being quite as deep especially at home um, 
and obviously they'll miss the fans. It's fantastic support they have at mm. St James's Park, but I can really see. Uh, I don't. I think we've always been a bit worried about Newcastle getting dragged into the relegation uh, fight, and I just don't see that being a, a worry at all for them this year. It's funny. It's funny seeing Newcastle because I was going to bring them up shortly uh, after after discussing uh, my pick for uh, this award. I think. Um, I, 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 as Graham said, and I confirmed, uh, I think Arsenal are probably going to be one of the most improved teams in the league. They just looked so lacklustre at points uh, last season. They just most of their players looked like they really couldn't give a monkeys. To be honest, I mean, there were points where Mesut Ozil wasn't in the squad. He was sitting at home playing Fortnite. Like ge- there were genuine confer- confirmations of that. Um, but I think the way they've gone about their business this summer has been smart. It's been clever. Uh, Arteta, he really looks like he knows what he's doing and. I think it's more... I do agree with what Graham said. I think fifth is their uh, trophy this year. But I think I think, they, I think they will get it. And I think that it's just going to really be a good year for player development. The likes of Saliba, uh, Gabriel Martinelli. And that's two players, not Martinelli's full name. <laughs> um, and players like Tierney, like we mentioned, Saka. Um, I, I just think it's a really exciting time for Arsenal. It's a really nice-looking project. And I think it really, really well. They reap the reap the benefits of a more in tune and a more talented squad than they had in previous years. Uh, right, we'll move on quickly, and we will talk about uh, Sheffield United from last season as they really took the league by storm, uh, with Chris Wilder's high flying blades finishing in ninth, only two points behind the aforementioned Arsenal. With this in mind, which team do we reckon could surprise us the most and imitate the extraordinary season that Sheffield United had last year? Now, this doesn't have to be a newly promoted team, although I'm almost expecting at least one of the three to be mentioned at some point. Graham, I'll start with you. This is this is the egg on our face question. <laughs> oh, it really is. You're really <laughs> having to go out on a limb here. And <laughs> you're going to pick a team that could well be at the bottom of the table. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I am going to vote for Brighton and Hove Albion as my surprise package of the year and to pull the Sheffield United. I thought last last season they had a very similar point total to what they had the year before, but the difference was on the Green Potter they had changed their style completely and they had looked much better in the way that they'd done it. I think they are another team that have improved, that have looked good in the transfer windows. They got the held on to Ben White. They have sent Adam Lallana. Mm-hmm. Looking back further, they got Tariq Lampete in the January transfer window, who looked fantastic mm-hmm. points in the season. Uh, I just like some of their players. They sold, sold Aaron Moy, but their midfield looks better. I've, I've, I've rate, he's pursuing us so much. I think he's a yeah, fantastic You mentioned player. him a lot towards the end of last year. I think I think he's many can I think he's many Cante. <laughs> Cante's already quite small as it is. Yeah. <laughs> the new Cante. The new Cante. 2.0. I think up front in Mopey they've got a bruising striker with some good players in Connolly and Trossard off to offset them. I think they have a really well well rounded team and now they don't have to change the system. Now they have a system, they know what Potter's all about. I think they can take the next step and push further up the table. I don't know if they won't be challenging for Europe like Sheffield no. United where I don't think any of these teams like Sheffield United are an anomaly in that. But maybe edge of the top path I think is possible for Brighton. I like that. I like the Brighton are looking maybe a bit more capable this season because they really can. They started to cement an identity earlier 
in uh, the Potter reign, but they kind of that fell away, and it took them a lot of time to actually get their first win of twenty twenty, and it came against Arsenal in that two one game. Um, but I, th- I think I think they'll have a better season this year. But I, I seem to be saying that about every team. It's odd. I, th- I think the quality of the league this year has just increased quite dramatically. I think there's it's a lot harder to call this year as it was last year. But you do say that every season. Uh, Sean, what about yourself? Who do, who do you see surprising us this year? Well, Brighton were really my thinking as well. And maybe I've um, not gone for a surprise package considering Stuart and Graham have just uh, sung Southampton's praises in the last question. But <laughs> um, I do really think that they'll be impressive this time round. They were the third best team to restart. Uh, Danny Ings, as we said, will be keen to keep his goal-scoring rates up with Euro 2020 and 2021. Yep. Um, and Ralph Hasenut was a fantastic manager, um, so I really do think that they could... I feel like it's going to be a return to the top six, like you said. It seems like those teams are um, starting to sort of get them, their house in order a bit more than last year. Mm-hmm. But if anyone's going to be in that conversation to push top six, you would think automatically Leicester and Wolves, but I really think Southampton will enter that conversation, and I would be surprised if they don't finish in the top half. Fantastic. Struan, what about yourself? Are you going to... Give, give us a surprise. Give it. Give us someone that we've not spoken about yet. I, uh, I don't think we've spoken about them yet, and they are actually a team who came up. I've gone for Leeds. There I think it is. Leeds, I think Leeds will do quite well this season. I think they've done some fantastic transfer business already. I think the team already in the Championship is very good. It will be interesting to see how Bielsa gets on in the Premier League, mm-hmm. but I think I don't think they'll be anywhere near the relegation zone. But at the same time, I don't think they'll be pushing for European places. I think around that eighth, ninth place will be be a really good season for them as I said they've recruited very well they've got some really exciting players in there like Calvin Phillips who's been previously mentioned Rodrigo who came over from Valencia is another exciting talent yep. they're also looking at other players like DePaul from uh, Udinese so yeah I, th- I, think they'll, I think they'll be quite an entertaining team to watch I think as well a lot of current football fans have never actually seen Leeds in the Premier League it was 2004 they were relegated so I mean, in my lifetime certainly I've never really had much memory of Leeds being in the Premier League mm-hmm. but I think I think it's one of these ones where They've been down for so long, but now they're back up. I think this will probably be leads in the Premier League for a while now. I think they've, fi- they've finally gotten there. I think that's going to be... I don't think they'll be up and down, almost like a Norwich, sort of just yo-yo in between the two. I think this will be leads properly in the league. Now they've got quite a big pool, as we've seen, as I mentioned, with transfers. So I think this will be a very successful season for Leeds. I hope not, but... <laughs> no, I had a feeling Leeds would get mentioned, and I do agree that I think they will. Out, out of the three promoted teams, are the most likely to at least stay up out of the three for, in my eyes but I've, I've gone for someone a bit different I've, I've gone for two options here um, Sean to echo your thoughts of the last question I did have Newcastle down initially because um, I feel like they've recruited well as you said with Callum Wilson coming in and Jeff Hendricks is a good player Jamal Lewis and Ryan Fraser are imminently through the door as well and they just seem to have an overall higher quality squad than they did last year and I think it's going to meet the they're going to reap the rewards of it and they're going to really push on and perhaps break into the top half. But a team that I don't think we've mentioned this episode that I really hadn't considered until kind of looking at them briefly in the league table from last year was Crystal Palace. I think I think they're really turning a corner in that they're making their team younger, uh, which was definitely needed. They're signing the likes of uh, Nathan Ferguson, who's going to slot in in the defence that was already um, quite impressive considering the size of the team last year. And a player that I'm really excited to see in the Premier League is Eberechi Eze from uh, QPR joined. And he is a very talented uh, young English 
attacking midfielder. And I think he could potentially rival Zaha into being the star of that team. So I think it'll be one of the two that I'm expecting to uh, push on at least break into top half this season. But competition's going to be more intense than ever. Uh, right, we'll move on to the penultimate question of the day. And despite the current standings within the league, I just mentioned them, Newcastle, they were once known as the entertainers during their days under Kevin Keegan's managing, management, sorry, with players like David Ginola making his name in England during this time. The title of the entertainers of the league has kind of been passed from team to team every year, but who do we think it's going to be this season? Who is going to entertain us the most in the league? Struan, I'll come to you first for this one. Who do we reckon? Well, as much as I'd love to say uh, Burnley, I'm going to have to go with Manchester City. I think, <laughs> I think just from a for any neutral watching the Premier League, I think a Manchester City game is always an entertaining one. The way the take attack of possession based mm-hmm. football from Pep Guardiola is just it's just fantastic to watch. I mean, so often four or five nil performances, and you, 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 at the end of the game, you're deciding which goal was the best because there's yeah. just so many to choose from. I think I think that I, in terms of. I've I've based mine off like quality and fun to watch, but I think I think there's other like funny games you can watch, and there's certain players who you who you you know you just tune in to watch how they get on. But I think I think I would go for Man City if the most entertaining team to watch in the Premier League at the moment. Very, very nice and simple. I like that because uh, you'll never see a Man City park the bus as well. No, I don't. I don't think they physically can. I don't think they've got the defensive quality to be able to. Uh, Graham, what about yourself? I think this one is as easy as it'll ever be for me. Uh, Man City are great to watch, but unfortunately City games are too often near done after 30 minutes. You need a team that are unbelievable going forward, but terrible at the back. And that is Jack Donnelly's Chelsea FC. <laughs> we have mentioned that they have recruited fantastically going forward. Defensively have got recruits in. Still a bit suspect, still a couple of positions that you're a bit worried about. Yep. And they have a keeper made of twist cheese and goals. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, City might be winning 5 0. Chelsea are going to be winning 4 3 in games. And they're going to play football and try and be attacking every single game. I can't see it any game where they actually try and sit back, even when they go to City. Lampard's going to want to be in the front foot the entire time. They have the players to do it. And I think they will be comfortably the most entertaining side in the league this season. I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll happily take a 4 3 win over a 1 0. To be honest, unless it's a unless it's a game against someone like Liverpool, in case I'd happily take a score early and part the bus, that would do me fine. But that's the Mourinho days shown through again, I suppose. Uh, Sean, what about yourself? Who who's gonna who are you looking forward to seeing when the season kicks off? I'm closer to Graham in the thinking that I want a team who I know are gonna play nice football and I know are gonna be on the front foot, but also I'm not quite sure how they'll shape up defensively. And this is where I mention Leeds. Mm. Um, it's really hard to know what to expect from them because Marcel Bielsa is a fantastic manager. He's a man that the best managers in the world, Pep Guardiola, cites him as inspiration. So to see him in the Premier League will be fascinating enough. And there's also, I think, a notion that Marcel Bielsa is getting the absolute maximum out of this squad of players. Yeah. Um, so how will they deal with that step up will be massively interesting. They've always had an exciting attack, but... There's been kind of question marks over Patrick Bamford. He scores goals. He has decent link up, but is he that quality striker? Now you've got Rodrigo coming in yeah. for thirty million from Valencia. So 
How does that change the dynamic of their attack? How does their defence shape up without Ben White? There's loads of questions about Leeds going into this team and uh, going into the season, sorry. And I think they'll be the team I'm keeping my eye on most because I just I don't know what's going to happen because I could see them having a great season and pushing up. But also I've got this slight feeling that they're going to struggle more than people might might suggest. Now I I had Leeds down in, in my uh, as one of my options for this. I also had Liverpool because I think if they do sign Thiago. Uh, it's just going to be really fun, entertaining football to watch, especially if they are looking to defend their Premier League title. But ultimately, I did settle on Chelsea for 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 my own enjoyment more than anything else. Um, I think play, a player like Hakim Ziyech is not being talked about enough. Personally, I think he is honestly fantastic. I think uh, I read an article that Liam Toomey had written for the Athletic, in which he described the football that Ziyech plays as high risk, high reward, of like the highest standing. And I think that is just going to sum up Chelsea this season. It's going to be high risk in the sense that the defence has still got holes in it. Um, I think there's still work to be done, especially with that absolute donkey in nets. Um, but I, st- I, I do think the signings of Havertz, Werner, Ziyech, uh, it's going to be really entertaining going forward. And that's already adding to a quality squad where you've got the likes of Christian Pulisic and Mason Mount and, and amongst that. Uh, attacking threat so I'm really looking forward to seeing Chelsea it's probably the first time in a long time that I've been actually excited to see my team play um, football so here's hoping here's hoping uh, I get proven right and they do score a lot of goals and it's not just grinding out results as we've seen in the years past Uh, finally to wrap up today's batch of questions we'll be taking in a broader history of the Premier League Struan, I think it was you that suggested this question, so I'm going to come to you first for it. Uh, it's a fairly simple one. And what is the most iconic shirt number in Premier League history? Well, I, I, I kind of came to the idea of this question with a lot of transfers going on. And, and then, you know, you say, like, oh, what number is he going to inherit for this club? And, and the idea came to me with um, with Donny van der Beek when he came to United taking the number 34 in honour of his friend. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I think sometimes shirt numbers mean a lot more than just, oh, he's, he's wearing the number... 16 now and I think when you know a player upgrades such as you know um from you know going from 11 to 9 yeah Mason Greenwood going from 26 to 11 I think I think it means a lot more than it's it's just kind of made out to be but I I, I would think the Man United number seven shirt is probably the most famous in the Premier League era at the moment I think just players like Ronaldo, Cantona, Robson, Law, Beckham just it's it's not been the most successful in recent years with the likes of Di Maria, Alexis Sanchez, Memphis Depay, Antonio Valencia, but I think it is still a very famous shirt for the Premier League. No, I I I'd say I'd just said the number seven in general. To be honest, just there wasn't really a team behind it, but just number seven because you've got the likes of Beckham, Ronaldo, and Cantona, but then the likes of Robert Perez, Luis Suarez, uh, Raheem Sterling, I suppose from the modern era, and Golo Kante as well. I just think if you think of a great player they'll have pro- are a really world class player they'll have worn number seven at some point in their career and it's a, in an attacking sense anyway uh graham what about yourself i have also went with number seven i just think <laughs> oh my god i can't speak i just, I just can't I just can't get so emotional of the number seven <laughs> 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 absolutely choked up <laughs> sorry come back, come back to me. i'll team. go i'll go on shot <laughs> Um, I think I'm a weirdo in terms of being a football fan that shirt numbers have never really appealed to me. I'm not uh-huh. like, massively nerdy about them in the way that um, a lot of football fans seem to be. I don't know what it is. Um, so yeah, there's your arguments about sevens and tens and stuff. Uh, 
there's a man who made one Premier League appearance and he got sent off in that game at Old Trafford. Uh, he left Kilmarnock in the January, joined Wigan <laughs> Athletic. And, um, and uh, his one Premier League appearance, he got sent off at Old Trafford, which I thought was beautiful. So Connor Salmon's number 18 gets a nod for me. Unbelievable. <laughs> you, you, I knew you would figure out a way to get Kelly in here, like, eventually. Sorry, I'm getting upset, like, Graham, just the number 18, just so beautiful. <laughs> Graham, have you recovered? Can we can we get your reasoning for number seven quickly? <laughs> I'm I'm much like Sean. I don't I don't really think numbers are that important. I don't not really something that holds stock in. So I'm just gonna try and find a Rangers player that's played. <laughs> 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 Even though I've got an English team, I'm I know. Go with, yeah, I'm just, I'm gonna go with eight. Steven Gerrard. Ah, there we go. My man, my manager. There we go. There's the Rangers connection. There you go. Mm-hmm. What, what Does anybody want to patch this question and talk about Ronan McKenzie's goal of the month? Or? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. See, I, I, I would have tried to link it back to an, an United player that ended up playing in the Premier League, but there's a, a, almost an insignificant number to pick from, which is a shame. Alex Ferguson played at air, if that counts. He did play at air, but managers don't have a number, strewn. That's. <laughs> That's, that's, the, that's a big thing, issue. Though, Which, however many trophies Ferguson won, that's the number because he came from air. So there we go. Uh, and with me linking it back to air, that brings an end to the first episode of our Premier League preview podcast. Thank you very much for listening. As we said at the beginning, this is the first episode of four uh, preview podcasts we've got coming out this week. But you've got an, you've got six podcast coming out from energy sport to look forward to as sean and cameron are going to bring you extra time on thursday with the return of the fantasy ramble on friday rounding out the week's content uh if there were any answers that you agreed with any answers you disagreed with or any questions you wanted to answer yourself make sure to tweet us at energy sport to get involved and make sure to follow us over there while you're at it also make sure you follow energy sport podcast wherever you get yours either spotify apple podcast or wherever uh, a big thank you to Graham, Sean and Struan for joining me today. We'll be back tomorrow, but until then, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been another Energy Sport Podcast. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.